Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll get started here with the Sooners Extra uh, post-game podcast slash Twitter space after OU's uh, wacky 28-13 to uh, 13 win over Oklahoma State on Saturday night here at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. And Justin really got to start off with the way that this game played out. A barrage from the Sooners early built a 28 to nothing lead by the end of the first quarter. And then that offense sort of disappeared, but the defense stuck around and, uh, you know, really won this game for OU. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, quite the, uh, fireworks display there in the first quarter. I mean, the offense came out on fire. The defense was really playing well off of that as well, getting turnovers, and then we just kind of saw that offense really cool off down the stretch. I mean, not even down the stretch, the other three quarters. I mean, they went scoreless the rest of the way after that. So, I mean, you know, they just – I thought the clock management could have been a lot better for the offense after that first quarter. I thought that, um, you know, they weren't able to get their conversions on third and fourth down. Luckily, that defense, man, that defense was able to kind of bend but not break the whole rest of the way, even when it was, he was trying to get something going in the second half. Yeah, they they really did. Uh, OU had 299 yards of offense in the first quarter, just 135 through uh, the last three quarters of the game. Uh, Jenny, when we're talking about that OU defense, what what to you was the biggest difference uh, in what they did today versus you know what we've seen them do for much of the season? Two things before I start. Number one, to all you people listening live currently to this, kudos to you. It's after one o'clock in the morning. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are, but thanks for listening. Number two, yeah, how many times, I mean, Justin, you just said, luckily that OU defense. Like, how many times has that been said um, over the course of the season? It's a pretty limited number. So I think it's, um, I think it goes without saying that, um, you know, this was a different kind of game for this OU defense. And, you know, they got turnovers, four interceptions. They got turnovers on downs, um, you know, three and outs. They faced 19 possessions tonight, guys, and they gave up one touchdown. As our good buddy Barry Trammell, who I'm walking with, does his efficiency rankings, I don't think there's been many games that he's looked at that a team has faced 19 possessions only given up one touchdown. So just an impressive, impressive night. Um, a lot went right for the Sooners. They got pressure when they needed to. Um, they contained Spencer Sanders well. You know, I think it was just top to bottom, a really, really solid performance for this OU defense. Yeah, the the turnovers are going to be what stands out there. Three, three interceptions in the game's first 20 minutes. Had four overall. Went to Deshaun White, sort of uh, game sealer. 
there late at the goal line. But to me, it was about getting pressure on Spencer Sanders, making him uh, throw passes early. You know, the Sooners had plenty of other chances to to force even more turnovers. There were several balls that hit off their hands and bounced away, or they could have finished uh, there. Didn't uh, you know? Didn't weren't able to do that, but uh, they were able to finish enough of them. Uh, you know, on the the flip side, weren't able to take advantage of many of them. Only uh, scored seven points off of those turnovers, but uh, you know, able to take possessions away from the Cowboys and in a game like this where uh, you know yardage and, and field position became uh, such a big deal, that was uh, was a massive turn in the Sooners direction. But uh, Justin, let's go back to some of the issues that OU had late offensively. Uh, you know, had to punt on, I believe it was their last nine possessions, all nine possessions of the, uh, the second half until the, the one at the very end when Dylan Gabriel was able to just take a knee and that was it. But uh, a lot, to, a, a lot that went wrong there. At the top of it, in my mind, was uh, clock management. And I asked Brent Venables this after the game. He said he was not happy at all with it. Uh, they only had one drive that lasted more than 91 seconds uh, on, on the night um, in that that stretch where they uh, punted uh, all those times in a row, didn't have a drive that lasted more than, I believe, 81 seconds. So just – how disappointing is that? And it's it's almost like how does that something like that happen that you're not able to uh, grind more clock down uh, in, in a game like this, especially the second half like this? Yeah, especially, you know, situational. You know, you're up big. You want to start to kind of grind this clock out like you mentioned just to be able to do that and also give the defense a break. I mean, they had to go out there on the field 19 times. Um, and like I said, uh, like we've been talking about, fortunately the defense was able to bend but not break, but that's a tough position to put your group in, you know, so the offense definitely would have liked to have seen them be able to, to kind of bleed out the clock a little bit more there. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think definitely the, the clock management was, was a big part of that. That's a big part of the reason why OSU was able to, to really try to make it competitive down the stretch there. And Jenny, how much of that do you feel like is on Jeff Levy? How much of it is on Dylan Gabriel? How much of it is on Brent Venables? Uh, you know, that, that element of things uh, there in the second half with clock management. Yeah, I mean, I think it has to fall a little bit on everybody, don't you think? I mean, um, I looked in the second half for sure. No drive over 90 seconds for the Oklahoma offense. And that included, you know, after Deshaun Watson gets that – Sean Watson, oh, boy. Deshaun White gets that interception. <laughs> I have been waiting for the day I did that. Deshaun White gets the interception. That's like five and a half minutes left. And you think, you know, Oklahoma could run out the clock at this point. Oklahoma State had two more possessions after that, for crying <laughs> out loud. I mean, they didn't even hold on to the ball for a minute and a half after that. So – you know, for them to not be able to go into some sort of, you know, slow down mode to tell Dylan Gabriel to at least let the play clock get down below 10 for crying out loud. I well, mean, 10. somebody's <laughs> yeah, 20. 20. There was a, there was a, right after uh, Deshaun White's interception. I think the third down play there, 
the snap came with 27 seconds, I believe, on the play clock, which is just yeah. mind-boggling at that point uh, yeah. to, to, to let that happen. Yeah, you can't let that happen. And, yeah, I mean, does that fall on Gabriel to a degree? Does that fall on Lebby to a degree? But it has to fall on Brent as well. I mean, somebody's got to be the adult in the room and stand up and say, hey, we can't be snapping the ball with 27 seconds on the play clock. we got to run some clock here. So, yeah, just all around not good. Um, they need to, they'll need to address that moving forward for sure. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to because that was a uh... – Big, big uh, mark against them uh, there in the second half. And uh, also, Justin uh, struggled to run the ball after halftime. And obviously, Eric Gray's been so good. We saw Javante Barnes do some good things tonight. But uh, they weren't able to capitalize off of an Oklahoma State defense that had really struggled to stop the run uh, to this point. Yeah, definitely doesn't help that, you know, Andrew Rain wasn't able to suit up for this one. We got to see Robert Conjol in there instead. And then also Wanya Morris went down. Uh, I believe that was, what, late second, midway through the third, somewhere around there. Um, so Tyler got Yeah, I think it was in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, I mean, definitely that doesn't help with it. You know, the offensive line has really been setting the tone for that run game um, throughout the season. I mean, they've been one of the few groups that's actually – been constantly improving this season so injuries there um but yeah I mean just overall you know you expect a little bit more out of Eric Gray especially the way that he's been performing as of late um and I mean it just goes back to you know to the defense I mean just their ability to to really pick things up when the offense is struggling because after that first quarter I mean there was plenty of time for OSU to mount that comeback and come back and win this game. But, you know, I think the defense just found a way to to keep OU out of there in front. I just got to, first of all, say thank goodness I made it to the uh, warmth of my car. Uh, no kidding. After that, uh, that walk uh, back after the game. Finally, uh, finally in a little bit more climate-controlled environment if this heater will uh, – kick on but thank goodness uh, for seat heated seats guys Woo! yes just breathe and talk i mean i'm just like i was having to catch my breath (laughs) hey another another round of kudos due to the fans that hung in there the whole game because uh i know i was out there for what the the half the second half of the fourth quarter and my feet were froze so guys it was cold out there today yeah it it definitely was and uh you know we saw some cold last week in Morgantown, but this was different. Uh, you know, obviously last week had the, the rain to deal with. Oxen uh, layered up on the coats and everything, but it's still really, really cold out there. But, you know, they were able to, to still uh, make some plays. You know, the, the to me, one of the most impressive things and uh, obviously wound up being impressive in, in more ways than just his performance was uh, Michael Turk uh, tonight. 11 punts, uh, averaged almost 50 yards a punt, had a couple of 60-plus yarders uh, there in the second half, and they really needed him to come through, uh, Jenny, uh, and, and he did. Yeah, for sure. I thought he was really impressive, and, you know, uh, I think we have come to realize what he can do as far as, you know, the really booming kicks, you know, those 60 type yard um, kicks that he can, he can make, but 
he had some that were impressive in how, you know, they, the field position switch inside the 20. That he had one early that looked like it was definitely going to the end zone. He boomed it so far, and it did like a sand wedge uh, backpedal at about the one or two-yard line, um, set up the, uh, you know, Sooner defense in great position. Uh, OSU offense, not so great. But yeah, it was it was definitely a fantastic you know, night for him, probably <laughs> on the magnitude of punts that uh, nobody in Sooner Crimson will see anytime soon um, to have 11 punts. Just, uh, you know, there were times last year when, or, you know, or, or over the last course of the last few years that, you know, it'd be three or four games before a Sooner puncher would get that many punts. So I don't think they want to do that again. The way they started, you'd have never thought that that was going to happen. But obviously that came in hugely important for him as that game wore on and they were playing a, a you know a field position battle in a lot of ways trying to keep Oklahoma State at bay yeah uh, Jenny the last Sooners punter to have 11 punts in a game Jeff Ferguson way back in I believe it was 2001 against North Carolina so it had been uh, quite a bit since they'd seen anything like that yeah I, I I was if if you would have pressed me I would have not thought back into those days because those were some really good offensive days as well. But yeah, you know, and the fact that both teams had 19 possessions today, I mean, it was just a crazy game. I mean, the way the game started, you might've thought, well, this game's going to have a lot of possessions because, you know, I think we, before I knew it, I looked up and we were on like our 10th overall possession, but still for that game to continue at a pace where it's basically possession, three, four, five plays, punt or or result and then you're doing it again i mean that was that was crazy i i don't i don't remember many games that went quite like that game went and um you know we've kind of sprinkled in defensive talk as we've gone here but you know the defense not relenting when they faced over 100 plays you know when they've had ups and downs this year more downs than they would like um you know just how they hung in there i thought was really impressive because would have been really easy as, you know, Oklahoma State kept getting chance after chance after chance for that defense to say, oh boy, you know, what, you know, I don't, we can't do this again. You know, we, we just, we can't, we can't keep getting, uh, we can't keep getting stops, but they did. They figured out a way, and I thought that was really, really impressive, all things considered, the night itself, but also the season as a whole. Yeah, they were able to come, come up in a, in a big way, got bowl eligible. Uh, OU is able to uh, continue that streak. Only Georgia has a longer active bowl, bowl streak than the Sooners now. And, uh, Justin, that's a big just emotional lift uh, for this team. And, you know, I, I mentioned this. I'm, I'm going to write a, a little bit about it uh, later tonight probably. But, you know, early on as they, they build that 28-point lead, it, it felt like sort of a – a cathartic moment, not only for the team on the field, but OU fans to, to finally get to to revel a, a little bit this season and certainly in Big 12 play. Obviously, it took a turn uh, as the game went on, but uh, still just a big emotional lift for them to get to that sixth win, secure bowl eligibility, and, uh, you know, obviously they want to finish strong next week at Texas Tech. Uh, but uh, a big milestone for them in Brent Venable's first season. For sure. I mean, it's, it's big for a lot of reasons. You know, the 
for the veterans, it's one last ride to be able to go to another bowl game. For the young guys, it's experience, you know, especially those extra practices leading up to the bowl game. Like you said, for Brent, first season, obviously a lot of ups and downs to be able to still be able to make a, a bowl game as big on the recruiting trail. I mean, to be able to, to pitch that, you know, that, hey, season hasn't gone the way we wanted, but we're trying to finish strong here. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of different ways you can look at it where it, it definitely is. There's a lot of positives to take from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like we said, the season has not gone the way that OU was expecting, but to get a bowl game, just from talking to everybody after the game, it sounds like it really means a lot to them. Hey, I'll, I'll jump in here too, Ryan. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's it sounds like that this class that OU's gotten together so far, you know, is it, man, pretty solid. They lost the kid, uh, as we talked a week or two ago, to uh, to Texas commitment-wise. And, you know, I, but it sounds like they're, you know, not necessarily leaking a lot of oil on these other guys. Um, so maybe the rest of those commits hold. But you got to think it's going to be hard to go out and convince any other four and five star guys to potentially join the class. I mean, I, I know David Hicks, I think the the guy who committed to Texas A&M was in tonight for a visit. Um, you know, that's the type of guy that could really elevate this group. Uh, if, if, you know, oh, you were to get a guy like that. Um, but it's hard to make that sell if you're not going to a bowl game. I mean, everybody goes to a bowl game anymore. I know Oklahoma's got the second longest current street going but you know there was a time when going to a bowl was a hard thing to do now you know most teams just fall out of bed and they make a bowl but OU getting eligible I think was a big you know was a big step in the right direction um yes they're struggling and yes they can still go out and talk to recruits about hey if you can come in and you can play you can you can get on the field early we want you we need you they can make that pitch but at the same time they're not sitting at home um, when bowl season has happened and they're out there playing. So I think it's, you know, the, I think it's the, the better of, you know, both scenarios that they get a chance to, to be in a bowl. So I, th- I think that's big. And, you know, having a performance that, you know, was a winning performance tonight, maybe not perfect in every way, but I thought that was pretty big for all those guys uh, and their families that were in the stands looking at the Sooners tonight. Yeah, Justin, and, and- Going back to you, this was a big recruiting night uh, for uh, David Hicks. Uh, was in town. They had uh, you know some of those uh, Denton Geyer guys uh, in town, and, and this gave them a chance to uh, not only sell uh, their program, but show you know compare themselves to the program on the other side. Uh, it's, you know they don't recruit against each other a ton, but uh, certainly in the state that uh, that has an impact and in certain other uh, other spots it does uh, but uh, you know uh, certainly a solid start for the Sooners we'll see how much of an impact it has down the road but uh, you know they, they certainly had a chance to show out for a, an impressive group of recruits yeah, you could you could tell before the the game even kicked off. I mean, you had the LED light shows, you had the fireworks, you had the whatever you called at the fire spraying machine. I think is what the name I came up with when I looked it up on Google. Or whatever. I mean, that's what that's all that was going on for that entrance for for OU when they ran onto the field. I mean, they were putting on a show, and they did that in the first quarter as well. Um, like you said, doing it in front of some 
some commits, Jackson Arnold being one example, but also some guys who maybe they're hoping they might be able to flip. Uh, Arnold's teammate, uh, Peyton Bowen, a five-star safety, like I mentioned, David Hicks as well. So, yeah, I mean, this games like this are, are really big on the recruiting trail for, for all the reasons that you guys just said. So um, definitely a big win, not just for making the bowl game, but also for, you know, hopefully having another uh, – Another selling point, I guess, on the with the recruits. Yeah, and then uh, Jenny, Justin mentioned explosiveness early. I guess we we do need to talk about the good stuff that happened early in the game with the Sooners uh, building that quick twenty uh, eight point lead. I you know I, I thought that they really made an effort to one get Marvin Mims going, but just get the passing game going in general. Didn't really try to stretch the field a ton on that first first couple drives, except for really uh, the, the Drake Stoops, the, the long catch there, and then obviously Jaleel Farouk, uh touchdown uh, catch on the second drive. But just sort of put Dylan Gabriel in a position to have success early with those uh, quick throws uh, out to the outside, a dump off to Eric Gray. And, uh, you know, that offense was humming along like, Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about the fact that they weren't they were they were moving the ball very effectively without taking those deep shots, which I think that everybody within the walls of, you know, OU football headquarters wants that that deep shot, wants those uh, you know, long connections to happen. Uh, you know, I think that's been a hallmark of the offense over the last decade and I I, I believe that Jeff Lebby wants that to be one of the things that his offenses are known for. But it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been there all the time this year. And, you know, that's if it hits, it's great. But if it doesn't, it becomes sort of a loss down. And, you know, I think Oklahoma saw that they had a chance to really get going um, with some short and intermediate stuff. And even though they didn't throw it long in the air very much, those first couple possessions, even maybe stretching through the first quarter, you saw them with huge chunks, you know. Um, there were, you know, sort of in the smaller chunk realm of, you know, 12, 15 type yards, but then you saw some thirties, some high twenties, you know, just some really, some plays that are moving the chains, you know, quickly down the field. And again, this wasn't Dylan Gabriel throwing it 30 yards in the air. In most cases, it was, you know, throw it, throw it 15 and let somebody get a little bit more. And I thought that was a really effective, uh, strategy, um, if you want me to tell you why it went away and it didn't work as well, the last three quarters, I'm not sure I have a great answer for that, but I thought that that was a really good way to get Dylan Gabriel comfortable. And, you know, his first rivalry, big rivalry game as the OU quarterback, you know, he's obviously played in other rivalry games, other places, but nothing of this magnitude um, with that kind of crowd and attention and, you know, the night game on ABC. So, I think that that was important too, and it clearly worked. I mean, it, they they've got they've got stuff they got to go comb through the wreckage of the last three quarters, but that first quarter there wasn't too much that you didn't like about what you saw out of the Sooner offense. Although, you know, it, it's crazy to think about though that you know even with that twenty-eight zero lead and everything going right, the biggest lead that they've had, and, and after one quarter in Bedlam history the second most yards they'd had in any quarter in program history, uh, their, their most in a first quarter, 299. 
there was still some meat left on the bone there, though. They they turned the ball over. Braden Willis fumbles when they're getting ready to go up 28-0. Uh, you know, they don't take advantage off of uh, uh, two of those turnovers in the first half. Only scored on the after the one that uh, Jonah Laulu uh, returns to the four. So, you know, as good as they were, there's still some, some opportunities there for them to be even better if they're able to finish on some things. Uh, but Justin, in, in the second half, and, and really in the second quarter, things started to turn with just, I, I think it was 66 yards of total offense in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, after that. But, uh, you know, you, you look at, to me, the offensive line struggle. You know, I think Robert Conjol, uh, you know certainly didn't have uh, one of his better games. I thought he was pretty good last week coming on in, in replacement of Andrew Rame after the injury. Not so much today. They lose Juanier Morris. But, you know, not being able to convert on third downs once again. They were one of 14, I believe, tonight. So that's two of 25 over the last couple weeks. Got stopped just short of a, a fourth down conversion, too. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel uh, completes just one pass in the second half. Uh, and that wasn't until, what, about nine minutes left in the game, I think. I want to say uh, he was 0 for uh, – I can't remember if it was 0 for 11 uh, overall uh, or, or 0 for 11 there in the second half because I know he missed on a couple of – to end the, the first half. But um, what to you was maybe the most concerning thing about uh, that, that dynamic uh, there in the last three quarters? I think definitely the the low conversion rate. I mean, one of 15 when you include that they also weren't able to convert on that one uh, fourth down attempt. So, I mean, just the inability to to extend those drives, um, I think it's obviously a big concern. You know, of course, you're also looking for, for Dylan Gabriel to be more efficient with the ball on a more consistent basis. That's something that we've been talking about a lot this season. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the past two weeks, they just haven't been able – to convert on third and fourth down. And that's obviously, you know, it's very difficult to move down the field when you're not doing that. So, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that's probably the, the biggest concern on, on that side of the ball as of late. Yeah, I would uh, certainly agree with that. And uh, you know, we'll uh, get ready to, to wrap things up there in this late night uh, here after uh, the Bedlam win. But, uh, Jenny, your, your final thoughts on, on the night and the game and, you know, anything we haven't touched on that you want to uh, bring up? You know, I yeah, it, it's definitely uh, sort of one of those not, – it's not going to fit into the uh, instant classic uh, box that we've had a lot of Bedlam games fit into um, in recent years. Lots of close games, lots of tight fits, you know, just games that had great plays and big moments and – I'm not sure this game fits in there. I don't know exactly where it does fit. It'll be interesting to see how we think about this in another um, couple years. But I think for I think for Brent Venables, I think for this team, I think for this program, um, this was a this was a big night. You know, didn't finish the way they wanted to necessarily with the, you know, I think Brent meant, mentioned at one point not able to put the nail in the coffin, and that's absolutely true. You know, they had a chance to really, really step on Oklahoma State 
and uh, didn't didn't do that uh, in the game. But still, for this team to win a rivalry game, uh, finish out their home slate with a win, um, not have another string of losses, not have to go to Texas Tech next week trying to get bowl eligible. Um, I think there's I think there's a lot of positives in a season that you know has not necessarily been heavy on positives, and I think that that's a you know for a program that's trying to get its under it, you know, and set the set the standard for coming years. I think that that that's a that's a big moment. We you know again we may not remember it as one of those classic bedlam games like we've seen over the last couple decades, but um, for this program it could end up being you know, one of the bigger moments of this first year of Brent Venables. Yeah, I think a lot of that is going to go to what becomes of it, what becomes of the rest of this season, what becomes of the program in the future. I think certainly if, you know, they're able to turn it back around and uh, build that program up into to what Brent Venables wants, this could be one of those sort of turning point moments uh, for them. Uh, and that would magnify the importance of, of this game if it doesn't happen obviously that changes uh the dynamic there but uh the Sooners one more game to go in the regular season next week against Texas Tech that'll be a night game in Lubbock all three of us will be out there uh you know to see how the Sooners uh finish it off uh you know interesting matchup with Matt Wells being on OU staff after uh you know getting fired there in Lubbock last year, I know a couple of or one of the players I talked to after the game, Marvin Mims, said, you know, they wanted to uh, go get a get a win for him in that one. But you know, the the Red Raiders, I believe, uh, didn't they secure a bowl eligibility tonight with the win over Iowa State? So that'll be about improving uh, bowl position for both of those two uh, teams. You know, I still think on the OU side that. It's hard for me to imagine them dropping past the Liberty Bowl. I think uh, Texas and the Liberty are the two most likely. You know, we'll see though how this whole thing plays out over the next couple weeks. But uh, certainly a big win for the Sooners tonight, 28 to 13 over Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Uh, we're going to get out of there here. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving week. We'll be back uh, Tuesday or Wednesday with uh, with another one of these. Uh, previewing that game at Texas Tech. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best will you cover anywhere. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.